Three, two, one, and welcome back to the SBH podcast. And in this podcast, I'm going to be going over the equipment that I use and also the uh, methods that I guess I use to keep myself safe fishing off the rocks. I got this really awesome DM question and it said, I just got started fishing off the rocks at night and love it. I find it much more enjoyable than dealing with crowds at the canal, you know, still working through all your podcast. Yeah. So, but pretty much, um, what he was saying is, um, he, he, he wants to know, um, what safety measures I take when fishing off the rocks. He says, he, well, he knows that I use corkers, uh, which I'll get into more. Um, but do I wear a PFD or, um, you know, or, and, or how do I fish and what measures do I take when the waves are really big and it's really windy and those, when I like to call like scary swells, like there's a difference between it being wavy and the waves are not really going to wash you away. And then you have these swells that come in and they are powerful waves. And those are a little scary to fish in because if you get knocked off the rock, you can get swept out in that type of stuff if you're not prepared. Uh, to get swept off the rock. I do think that it would have to be extraordinarily sporty to sweep me off the rock and sweep me out with what I do, but, um, and I guess where I fish. But it is very important to go over this because, I mean, it is a very dangerous sport inherent, like the inherent dangers to the sport are what we deal with, you know, because we have to do that because I feel like the most scary conditions for us as humans are the best conditions for the striped bass. Um, but I'm gonna go from the ground up for me. Uh, and that's gonna be, I mean, it's I, I should have brought some stuff up so I could actually show it off, but I, I can kind of talk a little bit about what I use. Um, and then I have also, at the end of this, I have some crazy announcements, like in stuff that's happening that is gonna be cool that I'm gonna get to. But um, we're gonna start off with this. So, from the ground up, if I'm going out on a real surf mission and either I'm in early spring or late fall and the waves are getting kicked up and I'm off the rocks and it's going to be gnarly and I'm going to be by myself, for example, um, I need to have the proper you know, precautions taken myself to make sure that I don't kill myself trying to fish. And uh, this happens in many different ways. Obviously, the first thing that you really want to have known is that you're fishing and where you're fishing to somebody else and what approximate time you want to be back. Uh, that is super, super important just so if you exceed that time or, uh, yeah, well, pretty much so that somebody knows where you are. If you get injured, you slip, break your ankle or your leg or whatever, and um, you need, and you can't move or get out of that area then you need somebody to know that, hey, this is where I was fishing and he's not back by this point. They can get help or help you um, themselves. But I guess we'll start more from the ground up right now. I wear corker buckskins with like spikes on the bottom. Uh, and if you're fishing off the rocks, that is a must. You cannot fish off the rocks in the way that I do in the amount of tra traversing I do across the coastline. Because if you think about it, you got a little access points, but most of it's private. So what you got to do is you got to walk for miles sometimes traversing across the rocks to get to certain spots. And uh, that can be super difficult to do. Um, but you need to have the proper footwear because if you're wearing sandals, Crocs, 
Um, I don't know, what else do people wear? Anything like that, even running shoes, you get them a little bit wet and you step onto uh, the rocks and they have that black algae on it, like ice, like ice, you're gonna fall. And you, and they're so unforgiving. It's as slippery as ice for sure. And then on top of that, you have seaweed most of the time and the seaweed can shift at random times and you just can't help but fall. And that happens a lot, you know, that's part of the game falling, but you also have to have your, be aware that, you know, if you fall to take it because uh, if you put your hand out, you're gonna break your arm or something. And uh, that's not, not what you wanna be doing. And you also have to like understand what rocks, like super smooth rocks, when you step on them with your corkers, your corkers, regardless of having the spikes, are gonna slide on those. So there's little things like that. And when you're walking across rocks, this is another big thing that I tell people when I'm like guiding them or anything. Try to step in the cracks or in the seams of where two rocks meet. Because when you're stepping that seam, you know, your foot sideways on that seam of the rock where the rocks are meeting, you can't really slide, you can't slide side to side. You can go back and forward, but that side to side slide is not gonna happen. So that will, in the end, help you slip less. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's, I really, uh, corkers are a must. Felt doesn't work um, at all, so don't even try. And um, I mean, maybe it helps a little bit, but for the stuff that I'm dealing with, it doesn't help whatsoever. So don't even mess around with felt. Um, and then pretty much other than that, for shoes wise, that's like all I'm using. And then when we will go up a layer, I guess, um, I don't wear anything fancy for socks, although, um, in general, something that's just health wise for your feet, if you put something, it, there's like, um, covers that go over your shoe, uh, from like your pants so that, uh, or your pants, there's like these covers that go over your shoe. I forget exactly what the name of this is that I have them on my waders that just cover up the top of my boot so that rocks and stuff don't get into them because they can kind of hurt your feet as you're walking. And, uh, that's really important. Um, I think, and if you can get those, that's a really, uh, it's a good thing to have. Um, and then I guess we'll go one more layer up. If, if I'm fishing in the, I guess there's two parts to this. If I'm fishing in the, um, in the spring in the and in the fall, I'm gonna be wearing waders. And people have this misconception with waders that you're gonna drown if you fall in the water with waders. There's been many, many occasions, and you'll see them in the, some of the upcoming shows, where I'm swimming with my waders on. I'm literally swimming around in the water with my waders on, neck deep, floating in the water. And that's for multiple reasons, but it's kind of the like negative pressure on the waders makes it a little bit more difficult to, for them to fill all the way up. Um, and then the other thing that I always wear is a fishing belt. And that fishing belt will keep the uh, waders closed and it will increase that like negative pressure. And uh, what I mean by that is it's harder for like a ton of water to gush in all at once. Um, water still gets in and sometimes when you're swimming around with your waders, you'll get like a half cup of water in your waders, but it's not like you're going to be drowned by your waders. It just doesn't happen like that. Um, and so fishing belts are super important to have when you're fishing with waders. Um, but the good thing about waders are they, um, keep you float. They'll actually, like if you got washed into the water, you will float for you. I mean, 
it would be pretty difficult. Um, and I guess there's another part to this. You should be wearing waders and then a rain jacket with over the top of the waders and then a belt over the rain jacket that's over the waders. That keeps a much better seal from the water getting into your waders and that's a really big deal. And the, the jacket in general that I'm gonna be using 100% of the time is the Stormer Surf Top. Uh, and the Stormer Surf Top is the best jacket for um, surf casting, period. Um, there's no better jacket. It's, like, it's built for it. It's built for exactly what we do, and there's no better jacket that does what it does. Uh, keeping water out, keeping you dry, keeping you warm. End of story, no better jacket. And um, it's not very breathable, but it, what it makes up for not being breathable, it helps so much later in the season. I even wear them when it's you know super, super hot out. I'm still gonna be wearing my Stormer jacket. Uh, I might not be wearing um, any waders or a wetsuit if it's super hot, but I am going to be wearing my Stormer surf top. Um, it's a very important clothing item. But I guess we can get back to more of the waiter situation. Um, you you want to, again, you know, you have your waders and they do keep a little bit of air bubble around you so that when you're, if you fall in the water, you'll float a little bit and you, with a, a rain jacket or preferably the storm or surf top with a fishing belt, and it doesn't have to be anything fancy for a belt. You could even get a piece of rope and tie it around your middle. It's just enough, it's something that closes everything down and keeps that water out of getting into your waders. And most of the time waders come up to here. So the, the you know, most difficult part for that water, would, or really the only way the water could get in is if it goes down from your neck and in and then once it gets to to like where your um rope is that the amount of water that can fill up only around like your top or your upper body section is not very much uh all at one time and then it's going to slowly seep into your waders but it's not going to rush in at once so it would be a long long process before your waders would become n like negatively buoyant i guess you could say uh and that's a really good thing so in Contrary to popular belief, waders actually will help you in the long run in the early spring. Number one, it'll keep you dry from the super cold water. Uh, and number two, you will float on the water and in the fall for that matter. I mean, it goes either way. And then I, again, we're going to go right back to that. You know, we have the, the belt and the belt super important. We talked about that. We're going to go to the surf top. So the Stormer Surf Top has um, sealed gaskets around each wrist and around the neck. It also has a sealed gasket around the waist and two flaps that you can tighten down around your waist. And what that does, and even like a little like cord that tightens the, the rubber flap, not flap, but it's like rubber seal around your, uh, your waders. And when I have that on, I can swim. I can swim out to boulders that I need to swim out to. Now, is it as effective as a wetsuit? No, but does it still work at that level where you're like, if it's if the water isn't in the 60s and or the low 60s, then you can still survive swimming out to boulders or around Rocky Point. Like if you need to get around like a, a little area and you had to swim, you'd be totally fine doing that. Um, 
Again, wouldn't recommend doing that, but you'd be totally fine doing that. As well as if you got knocked off a rock by a big wave uh, and you're in the water, it would keep you floating on the surface of the water and you should be able to paddle your way back to where your rocks are. But then that gets into the like a, a scarier thing to think about is like, okay, you got big waves sloshing up against the rocks. It's not necessary. If you can survive the falling into the water, it's it, the difficult and dangerous part is not being in the water. It's trying to get back out of the water and having a big wave pound you against a cliff. That's the scary part. Um, so you always have to have this stuff in mind when you're fishing certain areas. Where's my exit strategy if I get washed into the water? Uh, what is feasible to swim around to? Like if I'm in the middle of the summer and it's really warm, the water's really warm, and I'm wearing my whatever, my waders or say I'm wearing, wearing my waders, I know that, you know, it would take pff, 35, 40 minutes before my waders would get negatively buoyant on me. And I could survive in that water comfortably for that amount of time easily. So if I need to swim 100 yards to my right, I'm going to be able to do that. And uh, I'll just take my time, slowly swim along, backstroke it, do whatever you need to try to keep the water out of your out of your neck region but you should your legs will be floaty and your arms will be floaty as well with that stormer jacket though it will keep you buoyant for most of the time it's pretty buoyant itself and so if you do fall in the water you're going to stay pretty buoyant i think they can't technically call it like a life preserver but it's like that step below like a life preserver that's how buoyant it is um which is a really big deal now um what else can I get into here? Okay, I guess I can say like, if you're wearing a wetsuit, this is a whole new game for you in general. You can, wetsuits are good for multiple reasons. Um, number one, you can be in the water a lot longer. Uh, if you get knocked off into the water, you don't you don't have that like, you're gonna die because your, your waders are gonna fill up with water scenario gonna hap is not gonna happen. But um, if you are, uh, if you get knocked into the water by a wave and you have a wetsuit on you also are not going to get super cut up on the rocks because your waiter will protect you from that or your wetsuit will and then your wetsuit also protects you from bugs too so that's another thing that i think is kind of important too getting really bitten up by bugs is awful and if you're wearing a wetsuit you won't get as bitten up on your body or your arms um so that i guess is kind of a safety factor to it in general uh but you know there's a car alarm going off, so I'm sorry if you can hear that. Um, anyway, uh, the the thing about wearing like waders and wearing versus like a wetsuit is obviously you're not going to be wanting to wear a wetsuit in the spring and fall when the water is in the 50s, you know, high 50s, mid 50s. That's going to be pretty uh, pretty tough to be swimming around in a wetsuit. You can do it depending on how thick your wetsuit is, but I'm not going to be doing it. I'm, I, I want to be dry and comfortable. And so I'm going to be wearing my wet, my uh, waders, not my wetsuit. I might have mixed those two up. Um, anyway, but uh, that, uh, like, the, the pros and cons are, you know, you can, obviously, w waders are going to be more dangerous, but wetsuits are going to be, uh, I mean, you're going to be more uncomfortable in a wetsuit. Uh and I have both. Um, people have always, were telling me when I was getting a wetsuit, I was, they're always like, 
why'd you buy a wetsuit? Wetsuits are horrible off the rocks. You're just going to poke holes in them and all the rest. I literally have one tiny little nick in one of my wet my, in my wetsuit in the past two years that I've used it. Uh, or my wetsuit, my God, my waders. I only have one little nick in my waders, and um, I I just patched it up and I've had no problems with that. Now, if you're not as comfortable on the rocks as I am and you fall more, yeah, you're gonna probably beat up your wet your waders. <laughs> your waders pretty good but um that's the other thing waders are very expensive and they're easy to beat up uh and then we're gonna get i mean that's for me that's legitimately it i don't wear a helmet i don't wear a life like a pfd um and i have before uh and one story i like to tell when i did wear one of those like inflatable like what would happen is like if you got if you if it sensed the water, the thing would blow up with air. Um, and I, it was probably back, what, four years ago? <laughs> like that was a long time ago, but it was four years ago, so I was a lot younger. And um, back then, catching keepers was not, was like probably catching a 30 pounder now. <laughs> That's like the equivalent to me right now. And so like uncommon, maybe we get a handful of them a year, but, uh, it wasn't something that we did very often. And so I, one story in particular, I was fishing uh, a spot and I caught a keeper. And as I was reeling it up onto the rocks, there were some waves that day. So I was reeling it up into this, onto the seaweed mat where there's waves that were sloshing up and they're decently big waves. And I was trying to not get destroyed by a wave, but I got the fish up and it popped off and I saw a wave coming. So I quickly got down and I pushed, I pushed on the fish and it slid into like kind of a hole area. And so I'm holding this fish in the water and I have wave slosh up onto me and I'm holding onto my rod and I'm holding onto the fish and I'm like, what do I do? So I was starting to like figure out how I was gonna grab this fish. And then my inflatable life preserver blew, blows up it has my, it like pushes my head back and the thing blew up so much it started choking me. And, um, I was getting literally choked by this, by this waiter or this waiter, this man, I was getting literally choked by this, uh, like life vest. And I had to unbuckle the thing to be able to get out of it. And the only way I could do that, I'm holding one hand on the rod, one hand on the fish. I had to let go of something and there's waves sloshing around. If I let go of the rod, the rod was going to be gone. So I let go of the fish, the fish got washed away. And now I'm getting choked out by my life preserver, having lost a keeper that I catch, I catch barely a handful of them a year. And I, I was pissed. And so I unclicked the thing and I vowed never to wear one again. Um, but you know, that's just me. And I, I've, gotten a lot better at fishing since then and I've gotten a lot more comfortable on the rocks since then um, but if you are starting out and you don't have corkers um, or you do have corkers in general and you are starting out and you're not super comfortable on the rocks or comfortable getting into the water or getting knocked off the water uh, into the water by like a wave or something you need to practice it uh, because it's very important to practice uh, but maybe you want to wear a life preserver, especially if you're not a very strong swimmer. Um, you need to have that, you know, life preserver because you need to know that you can swim if you need to, to get away. 
um, into the water or way from like into a safe area to like swim back up onto the rocks. Uh, and then the other thing that um, I do wear, actually, I was just thinking about like on going up onto my head is when I'm fishing by myself, I always wear some sort of a Bluetooth earbud um, so that I can have quick um, access to calling someone if I need help. Uh, that is very important. I'd also suggest ones that are waterproof. Uh, I wear the Jaybird uh, Tyra Pros um, and that those are just the ones that I wear because uh, they're like IPX7 or something like that, which is, I think, I don't know, something like that, and which is uh, like water, like pretty much waterproof. And uh, I have my phone in a lifeproof case and I can connect, like if I need to call someone, I can access Siri really quickly without having to dig into my pocket or into my bag to grab my phone. Um, and that could save me at some point if I need it. Uh, and or if somebody needs to call me of an emergency, a lightning storm's coming, something crazy happens, they need to call you, they can get easy access to you too. So that is, uh, that's always good to, um, it's good to think about wearing something like that. That's probably as far as I'd go. Um, and you can go even further and have somebody uh, have access to like your location services on your phone so they know exactly where you are when you're fishing. Um, and that's uh, something that you can do as well um, if you want to be even more safe uh, because then somebody can know exactly where you are if you hurt yourself um, and go exactly there to save you, uh, which is important. Um, yeah. And then I guess we're going to talk about like what I do in big crazy surf. Um, and a lot of this is a judgment thing and a confidence thing. Uh, I don't get hit off of rocks. I, I, I don't do that. That's just not how I fish. Uh, yeah, every once in a while I'll have a wave hit me waist deep, but you know, or hit me like hit me in my chest, but I'm not going to be out there on a rock and have a giant wave come up and just smash me in the face and knock me 20 feet back. Like I'm not fishing something like that. That's just ridiculous. And I'd definitely not fish something like that if I was by myself. Um, nor would I be swimming out to boulders and stuff when I'm by myself. Um, unless it was super, super calm and there's no risk. And that's something that's like the low risk scenarios are like wade walking areas. Uh, I'm not super, you know, like that's not that dangerous really depending on the surf. But it's always good to have somebody with you if you can. Like if you have one person with you, that's always the, the, the call. Um, but if you're, this is, I guess, strictly so if you're by yourself as far as like, what you should be doing, in my opinion, just because I feel like this is the bare minimum that I do, or pretty much the bare minimum that I do, uh, personally. And uh, like, if you're doing what I do, I can't imagine doing it without having someone know where you are at all times, without corkers, without a stormer jacket. Like, yeah, like it's important to have all that stuff, as well as like if you fall in a stormer jacket, and you, that thing's gonna save you when you're falling and stuff. Uh, so that's super important too. Um, what else is really important? There's like, there's a lot of things that, oh yeah, I, I want to get into like how I deal with like being out there when there's a lot of big waves and surf. Um, like there's one time in particular, I mean, I mean, I have just m memories of being out there and just watching these mountainous waves come at me and, um, 
just trying to figure out, okay, where can I stand successfully? And there has been times where you, you got to know how to, when to quit, I guess. Uh, and there's one location where uh, the waves were so big, like so ridiculously big, I couldn't even get halfway out to where I wanted to go. Like I wanted to go out and then across a mile to the left. And um, I couldn't even get out to where I started to go to the left. And because um, the waves were so big and it was in a little bay area and the waves were eight feet high there and I'm like what is going on and I could not get to where I needed to be uh, and that's when you need to be like okay quit you know I tap out and uh, that happens and that's where you have your plan b and sometimes you know that was a full moon or a new moon or something like that and I knew it was going to be good and it would have been good if I could get out there I had eels I was ready to go I was ready to catch a monster bass and it just wasn't happening uh and then so what i did is i uh I, I okay and then the other thing that you can do is just when you're walking up to a spot i like to like if i know i i can generally tell just by like looking in the area if i've been there before wave height and like how risky it's going to be in certain spots that i fish just because i fish there a lot but if you're getting to a new area and you're getting and you're new into it stop and look at the water for five minutes literally stop and watch each wave and see where the biggest wave goes and then half the wave like go half size bigger wave and if you still think you could survive a half size bigger wave then you're good because that's what's going to happen you'll have those rogue like half size bigger swells all come through out of nowhere and then you can get hit by a big wave and so that's what you kind of have to think about when you're fishing in an area um, and it's sketchy conditions. Uh, and then the other thing is you, you just got to play it by, by um, watching the waves. If you can tell that the waves are very powerful, um, then you need to be extra careful because sometimes there's spots where the waves are not that big, but they're just very powerful sweeping swells and those are in my opinion very dangerous because they they come in fast and when the rock when they're hitting the rocks really fast uh there's definitely a difference between like a bigger wave kind of just sloshing up and coming back and then a wave coming at full tilt pounding the rock spraying up like a lot of energy in the water uh it's great for fishing but it can be very sketchy to fish with so you gotta and he was saying in that dm to like you know, do I stand far back from the rocks when I get up to it? Do I go like it really is spot oriented? You know, you you don't want to be like ten feet away from where you're trying to fish, but if you're up high, I mean, I fished really high down into areas before with big surf, um, and that's some scenarios where I'd be standing higher up. But I try to be pretty much right at the edge there, as long as you don't get washed away. That's the most important thing. And also to just not fish in those locations where when it gets super sporty, there's no way out once you get swept into the water. Uh, and almost all the places that I fish, there's, you know, 50 yards left, 50 yards to the right. There's an exit point that's not going to be uh, giant waves. Even if there's giant waves, I'm going to still be able to easily get out and not kill myself in the process trying to do that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's really – I feel like that is – um, in the grand scheme of like safety off the rocks, I feel like I haven't really gone over that topic a lot. I've talked about it in bits and pieces throughout multiple podcasts. Um, 
but it's definitely something to keep in mind in fishing. And I hope that like this can help you be safer off the rocks or change the ways that you're doing stuff. But again, things that, again, just to recap, really, must-haves in the safety are, in my opinion, you must have corkers with spikes if you're fishing off the rocks. You must, if you're wearing waders, have a belt of some sort and a rain jacket going over the top of the waders. Not under the waders. has to be over the top of the waders because if it's under the waders, it defeats the whole purpose. The wave's going to hit and wash right into your wader. Uh, so it needs to be over the top of the waders. Um, and then... Uh, if you're not wearing waders, uh, it's not a big deal. Again, I think a stormer jacket in general is a must-have when you're fishing, surf casting for in big surf or really off the rocks in general. Safety for your upper body. You don't get bitten up by bugs as much. If you're fishing during the day, it's a less of a thing that I'll bring if it's super hot. But if I'm fishing at night and I can get away with wearing it and not being too hot, even if I can get away with wearing it during the day and not be too hot, then... Um, I'm going to be wearing my stormer jacket. Uh, yeah. And so, so that's like, I feel like stormer jacket, you know, belt, very important. Um, and then I'm going to go with earbuds connected to your phone that is in a waterproof case of some sort. Um, and that's really, really important in my mind when you're fishing by yourself. Again, another important thing that's really, you know, a necessary thing to have is somebody that knows exactly where you're fishing if you're fishing by yourself somebody that knows exactly where you're going to be where you're going to be fishing and what your plan is for time is how long you're going to be fishing for and then um because that all of that's just super uh it's something that you really need to just get down and then yeah i mean that's i feel like that's it right there for safety as like far as safety wise goes that is a very important um, safety precaution to take okay so i feel like that that whole segment i guess i just did a whole segment on just safety gear in general i feel like that pretty much covers everything i want to talk about or wanted to talk about i'm sure i missed something but you know corkers uh if i'm wearing wetsuit i mean wetsuits are good for what they are um, waders i'm gonna be wearing that jacket yeah belt yep I'm not wearing a PFD or anything on my head really that's going to protect me um, besides having the earbuds. Yeah, I think that's it for safety gear. Um, yeah, and then if you can fish with somebody, that's probably the other most safe way that it can you can fish is with a person because then that person can actively save you if you're getting washed off a rock. Um Okay, so now let's move into kind of just weekly things that have happened this week. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, Fishing-wise, this week has been strange and strange in many, many ways. But I've had some really weird um, fish, uh, how do I put this, like um, behavior is the best way to put it. Weird fish behavior. So I started out at the beginning of the week throwing the Magnum Walker, so the bigger, you know, the Magnum Walker, the bigger one of these. Um, I don't know if I really talked about this last podcast or not, but I've been banging 40-inch bass, 40-plus-inch bass for that matter, on on the Magnum Walker, and it was consistent all at the beginning of the week. A little seaweed blew in, a little west wind blew through, stirred everything up, the uh, well really seaweed blew in one day and the west wind blew the seaweed out the next day 
and then it was like pretty crappy fishing during that seaweed time frame. But then we had um, then we had a big push of um, there's like okay, I guess not a big push, but there were there's one day where there was a school of I don't know probably more than ten fish, and they're all forty plus inches. And they were doing the weirdest thing ever. They had their backs just out of the water, like fins. Like I could see their fins out of the water, the top, their tips of their tails, and the back, their backs out of the water. And the, when I saw the first few tips of the tails out of the water, I was like, "Are these sharks? Like, what is this?" And um, I couldn't figure out what fish they were. And then all of a sudden, I see a big striped bass's tail flop onto the surface. And I, when I kid you not, it flopped. It did this like lackadaisical turn on its side, flip its tail out of the water, and then literally at the speed, say this is the surface of the water, it goes like this. And then under the water. Like super slow, and this tail was that big. Like that, like broom tail, for sure. So 40 plus inch bass all day. And they're all doing that. So I'm seeing this thing, and, I'm, and I video of it too. Working the magnum walker right through the middle of them, nothing. Working a pencil popper right through the middle of them, nothing. And then I was like, okay, they're definitely feeding on small bait or not. They weren't feeding on anything. Now, I talked to a bunch of different people about this. I DM'd a bunch of different people about this. Um, and the whole mindset and or the philosophy of what everybody was really saying, plus or minus one or two, uh, was saying that the bass were probably not feeding, but they were digesting. And they were digesting uh, food. Um, in water temps that were favorable for them because the water is super warm right now. Um, so they're just kind of just flopping around and digesting food in the school at the surface of the water. But the weird part about this was I was in 30 plus feet of water off of a cliff. And so like the cliff drops down pretty straight into a boulder field with a few bigger boulders, which is what I get the bigger fish off of. But those bigger boulders are maybe, maybe like 10 or well, yeah, I guess probably about 10 to like 20 feet under the water at their biggest. And when I'm talking about big boulders, I'm talking about house size boulders under the water, like huge. And that's what you're pulling the fish off of. Uh, but there are just drops off into 35, 40 feet of water there. And um, the bass were cruising the surface, flopping around above the boulders, but they're just cruising around. And you'd watch them, they're just moving around slowly. And I could not get them to eat. Now, I had a lot of people tell me should have been throwing sluggos, did that, but didn't do it right at the time that they're rolling around on the surface. And then I had people telling me I should have thrown a little um, like jumping minnow type plug. And I had that in mind. I was like, oh, if they come back around, I'm going to throw like a jumping minnow at them and see if I could do that. Uh, and that was really the overwhelming um consensus on what those fish were doing. I thought I would share that with you guys just because it was kind of a weird, interesting uh, thing that I dealt with. Uh, and then, you know, eeling has been absolutely fantastic. We're getting onto the best moon phase ever for fishing and um, really, really excited about that. Now, two even bigger announcements that have happened and are going to happen right now is I've started to work with Stormer, you know, jackets the ones that I've been talking about, um, and when and I didn't even know when I was about to do this podcast. I mean, this is around this. Well, it's like the day 
after I got con- confirmation of this. I have my list of things I'm going to talk about in the podcast, and I was going to talk about Stormer Jackets in this way before I even uh, got um, or started working with them on uh, promoting their gear and whatever, but that's besides the point. Um, that's just like a, a huge like awesome thing for us as a company of striped bass hunt uh getting promoted or being able to promote their gear and uh i'm going to be posting they're going to be posting weekly photos of mine on their instagram so if you haven't yet follow stormer i think it's stormer i'm gonna i want to get this right for you guys um on on their what their instagram exactly is before i tell you the wrong instagram handle here um hold up uh stormer usa and stormer spelled s-t-o-r-m-r uh and then usa uh and that is uh really cool but uh just stay tuned what i really want to say is stay tuned for my photos that are going to get posted off of that that was my whole point of saying this is go check out that page because i'm going to be they're going to be posting a lot more of my photos on there and um yeah and some old ones so they're going to bring some old ones back to life, but also some ones that I've never shown before. Um, and then the, what was the other thing I wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, okay. And then this is another huge thing. I can't believe why I couldn't think of this. So today, uh, well, or rather a few weeks ago, I had somebody contact me asking for photos for On The Water magazine. Um, and they put me on their cover photo. So that was really cool. Um, I feel like, and it's, but the bigger kind of like thing for me is like, I started my Instagram pretty much a year ago around now. Um, And I'm now already like in a year I've started, like it's just so crazy that I dreams and aspirations to work with companies that I fish with regardless and fish with regardless. and would continue to fish with regardless of me not like if I was associated with them or not. And to be able to actually work with these companies and, or, you know, be able to be a part of it in some way, I feel like in only a year of doing what I'm doing, I I just think that I've been super lucky and I'm super thankful for everybody that has helped me and been involved in doing this whole crazy process. Um, and uh, I just can't believe that how far it's come so quickly. Um, and I really appreciate appreciate everybody that was super uh, supportive and um, like congratulated me about that because I put a thing on my story about it. Um, and uh, I want to thank everybody that damned me and said you know really nice, super kind words about that. Um, it's really awesome to see that it's such a it's a good community to be in fishing the fishing community it's just it's really cool um and that's really what i wanted to talk about this podcast i don't know if it's going to be too too long of a podcast in general but uh we had i guess i mean other than like the moon phase coming through i'm going to be fishing with some cool people coming up um i'm going to be fishing with jim root from stormer of real bragging rights TV show on like the Sportsman channel. So you guys can check that out. He seems like a really cool guy. So I'm going to be fishing with him a little bit uh, during around this moon phase at some point. Um, So that'll be really cool. Uh, 
Yeah, and um, which is the cool thing is we film our like he films like the way that he films and the equipment that he uses is the same equipment that we use. So the really cool thing about that was talking to him and talking to somebody that has very similar struggles and or uh, works very similarly to how we do with our gear is very uh, very interesting because um, believe it or not it's very difficult to film in the water <laughs> like being in the water and filming this stuff and then obviously we probably have the one of the best striped bass films out there coming out um we have one coming out this saturday which is awesome uh it is what it is uh there's not a lot of big fish in that episode because there's not a, any big fish in that episode but you have to keep in mind that was all springtime fishing and um then the following episode is going to be all monsters so uh stay tuned to that for that because that's going to be multiple, multiple beast-sized fish. And when I mean beasts, I mean giants, total giants. Um, I think I think there's not a single, I, I'm not sure yet because we haven't fully started editing it, but there will be almost no bass, um, there'll be almost no bass under 40, under 40 inches in that whole uh, episode, which I, I understand is like not that crazy. But that's still pretty crazy that we were able to get the footage we did. And none of these fish were caught at the Cape Cod Canal. And uh, they're all caught off the rocks and surf of Cape Ann. And, um, yeah. Uh, and all from throughout kind of the different times. I had one from May, one from June. All right, no, was that May or June? I don't know. I can't remember. It was like right on the border. Uh, but it was like, I think there's one from May, one from June, and there's two from July that we have. Um, and that are like really, actually there's more than that. We have one, two, three, four in one day monsters. So, so there's some, some crazy stuff that's going to go down later in this, uh, just coming up. There's some crazy stuff that's happening. So anyway, thank you guys for listening to this podcast and watching the podcast if you're on YouTube. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was more uh, informational at the beginning, but then I wanted to go into that little crazy story of the bass finning and flopping around at the surface. And comment below if you've had similar experiences with bass doing that in super deep water like that. Um, because I'd be curious. I know maybe some people on the boats have seen that or if you've been... Uh, I mean, maybe I know that that happens a lot when they're feeding on like sand eels and super shallow water, but like for that to happen where it did was just so weirdly extraordinary um, that I had to share it. Um, normally, if I saw a school of bass, just big fish swimming on the surface, which happens, I probably wouldn't really be sharing it on this podcast, but because it was so weird and they're so like floppy and like tails out of the water, I had to, I had to share it. But anyway, thank you guys for listening and watching this podcast and I'll see you next time.